Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moore. This is Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN at 7 o'clock. And we're at CenturyLink. And I'm in a good mood today, Paul. You know why? Why? Because the Hawks are 3-0, man. The Hawks are 3-0. It might not look pretty, but they're 3-0. We we can't complain to well we can't complain we're probably going to complain in a minute right but they're three and zero they're getting it done it ain't pretty on one side of the ball but you'll take it right yeah I don't know if we'll complain we're we're here to try to fix it and you look you got your Laker jersey on you got Kobe <laughs> you know you and I we're we're Laker fans you're yep. a little bit younger so you're okay with all these free agents coming in I'm a little <laughs> more old school you know but three and zero and I also noticed that they changed the 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 billboard or the bump, whatever they call it, it's now bump and Paul. So now you're really feeling good. Um, we're 3-0. and Our offense is, is dynamic. It's fun. We can do anything with the football. Defensively, it's kind of fun to watch. You know, you just never know what you're going to get. Uh, the first half actually hasn't been bad this year for them. I, I was going and looking for some statistics and where, where's the breakdown. And it's, my goodness, it's, it's the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, we're, we're giving up. Almost 225, 230 yards every game in the fourth quarter. The second half, we're averaging over 300 yards a game in the second half. The first half, we're there. I mean, that's what makes it the the offense get the leads for them. They just there's just too many mistakes. There's too many big plays, uh, and we've got you know our foot on their throat, and we get a way to to really to finish the game and. And they just got to fix it. Now, you've been watching film. You notice you said 230 yards in the fourth quarter is what we're giving up on average. Is there anything that's happened schematically, or is it is it the circumstances to where the, the Hawks start playing a little softer defense? What do you think it is that allows those numbers to go up in the fourth? I, it's a good question. It, it, as you know, when you watch film, it's never as good or as bad as you think it is. Yep. You, have a, you think you have a great game, and I won't go into that too much. I'm watching the game, and we blitzed when they threw 40% of the time. We, we, I, I charted it 23 times. We sent five guys or more. Uh, three times we did a zone blitz where we brought uh, Jamal Adams and dropped some uh, defensive ends out, and, you know, and, and I think Bobby and, and Jamal were blitzing. But I don't call that necessary blitz because it's just a four-man rush, but it gives them something different. But if you just take those 23 off the 57 attempts, you're around 40%. Uh, that's a lot, and there's times we're on coverage, and they make a good throw, and there's other times I'm like, okay, you know, we made them throw some balls away. To me, the big ones is, you know, we we got beat over the top twice, you know, yeah. by Trey. Uh, we also had Shaq get beat when we had them pinned down there, right when we took a double-digit lead again, and then three plays later, they're right back in the game. Um, we had a, a busted defense where they had K.J. Wright on Wilson, a kid out of Boise State who's very fast. I'm like, I don't know. At that point, as soon as I, whatever it is going on, you audible out of your blitz. Yeah. And you say, we're going to a three deep zone. We used to call it yellow, 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 blue, blue, blue. Go to, I don't care what you do, but at that point, it's off. We got a bad mismatch, and we saw that mismatch. You know, Trey got beat over the top. We just got to take those kind of plays away. They ran another one, a deep, deep crossing route. I think it was a zone. It was hard to tell, um, but I think it was, even though Shaq followed him in. There's another, you know, couple 40-yard, I call them bus plays. Um, and those crossing plays make sense to me that 
their big plays because that's how you beat a zone, right? Yeah. You you cross a guy through different thirds of the field or different halves and make these guys communicate. And I will look at the film. I don't see a lot of communication when guys are crossing zones. So it's almost like these guys are blind. So it makes sense to me. In the moment, it's frustrating because you see Wilson make a big play. You're like, how did this happen? You watch the film. It's like, okay, well, they're probably in a zone. They're being forced to communicate, and I don't see a lot of communication going on. So I, I would like to think it's an easy fix. Maybe just, you know, in, 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 in. You know, I, mm. you play defense. What's what's the call there? Are you yelling in? What are you calling there? I'm yelling in, but it's, you know, some say, is it the rush? Is it uh, the, the back seven and how they're playing zones? Is it, you know, do we, do we have the players there? You know, is it scheme? You know, it's, it's, it's all of it. You're not going to fix it overnight. I mean, we are, we are in a historic run right now if we don't fix it they will have the most yards in the history of the nfl (laughs) at the end of the year the pace they're going on by about 800 yards so we're going to see a reversion to the mean it's going to come back we played three phenomenal offenses three pro bowl quarterbacks um we got some tough ones coming up it should get better in the past defense but here's what i will say they just got to start getting a little more vanilla and be really good. So what, what are we hanging our hat on? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is right now. Yep. Well, now I got some good news and some bad news for you. Good news, Hawks are 3-0. and Yeah. More uh, good news. Yeah. Alton Robinson had a day. Yep. Ryan Neal came off the bench, had a day. Didn't think he was going to play on Sunday. Jordan Simmons came off the bench and had a play. Good news. Bad news is those guys got on the field because Jamal Adams is banged up. Damian Lewis, Jordan Brooks, Quentin Dunbar, Lano Hill wasn't active. Ethan Posick, Mike Upati. They're not immune to this injury bug that's going on in the NFL. 3 0. I'm going to go back <laughs> to the good news. I think one thing is we got depth. You know, even bringing guys off the practice squad. You know, you mentioned Robinson there, who had a great camp and then maybe, you know, tailed off a little bit and got his opportunity last week, two weeks ago. I mean, he had some good rushes, uh, and not just hustle ones. I mean, actually made a move, pushed a guy, and uh, came inside for the, for the sack. Our best rushes, by the way, Bump, three-man rushes at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, got, we did get ten quarterback hits, so yeah. it's not like it was – him standing back there all day long. He wasn't. Um, again, I think you take away the bus. I thought we played pretty well the first half. We actually played pretty well in the third quarter. And then three plays at the end of the third quarter. The fourth quarter is just, man, I, I have no answers. We just have to play better. So now let's talk about some positive. Russell Wilson is playing at a high level. Five touchdowns last week to five different receivers. DK has a mishap early in the mm. game bounces back. Tyler Lockett continues just to be just the most steady personality and performer on this football team other than Russell Wilson, and we still haven't seen the tight ends really break out yet. Greg Olson had a touchdown the very first game. Hollister had a touchdown, but we haven't seen a really dominant or just impressive performance by this tight end room yet, and it's one of the deepest rooms on this team. Yeah, I think the running backs, the tight ends, if um, if you really work hard to take away our secondary, they're going to be in there, particularly man-to-man. If you say, hey, we're going to you know, really favor those guys with the safeties, uh, yeah, then I think we had a chance to exploit the linebackers. Um, and, and that's all good. Uh, Russell Wilson, five touchdowns, you know, on a historic pace as well. Didn't have his best game. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> that's I'm crazy. Laughing. That's crazy. And what I, I – we, we talked about this after the game. He actually had a phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. What he did was he missed on some throws we normally 
know he's going to make. Mm-hmm. We had a third down and three into the flat. He yeah. he, he hopped it to, yep. to I think it was Tyler Lockett. Um, he had another one. I, I can't remember. He throws that we're going. Oh, he that's he's not going to miss that throw. Well, guess what? He's actually human. He's human. <laughs> um, he had a phenomenal game. You know, seventy over seventy percent completion right at it. Five touchdowns. Look, you take that all day. Yep. But it could have been better, and it could have been six interceptions. And I bet you DK Metcalf never does that again. No. Did you guys have a chance to talk with DK, or what? What did Pete have to say? No, about didn't. That? Pete said that um, he obviously knew that he had messed up. That's something that they preach. Finishing the paint is what Pete says. That's what they mean. Hey, you, you're going through the end zone. You finish through the line. That's football one on one, right? Finish through the night, not to the line, not before the line, through the line. And maybe he was feeling himself a little bit and got caught up in a moment. But I don't think that's going to happen again. But now these guys are going down to Florida. Yeah, there's a guy named Fitzpatrick out there who has had great games as a Buccaneer. I think there was a week, I think it was last year, where he had like four, back-to-back 400-yard games. He's shown that he can get it done, but he's also shown that he can turn this thing over. And I look at this offense, and I'm like, okay, Devontae Parker, who's not a really fast receiver, they should be able to lock him down. Uh, Jasicki, I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong, the tight end, who's leading that team reception, not too impressive. Miles Gasson, who's a good you know, local hero, yeah. solid football player, but not a guy you should worry about. Mm-hmm. This is the game that they lock things down. I hope so. Uh, boy, that was a really wimpy way of saying I hope so. Miami played the Patriots' top first game of the season. Matter of fact, if Fitzpatrick doesn't throw those two interceptions in the red zone, they got a chance to beat them. They yeah. lose to what twenty-one to ten or whatever the number was. They lose to Buffalo thirty-one twenty-eight. They're in that game, and then they they hammer Jacksonville last week. If he doesn't throw any interceptions, if he's going to go and complete sixteen out of twenty or eighteen out of twenty-five, this is going to be a tough football game. They do have some players on defense. They got some players, and coming up next, we'll dive into the Seahawks Week Four opponent with Armando Sarguero from the Miami Herald, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer every Thursday at 7 right here on 710 ESPN. We're at CenturyLink. These guys are going down to Miami this weekend, Paul. Miami. Mm. Is there anything about Miami that you dislike? Uh, The humidity at times, but even then I'll take it. Because the evenings are so special, and that is a that's a scary town because I liked it so much. <laughs> you know, I said, "Ooh, I, I could probably get in trouble here." Not really, honey. Um, but no, it's just you know the weather and it's fun. And yeah. you know what blew my mind about Miami? I remember walking into the ocean and it was warm. Yeah. I'm from Cali. The Pacific Ocean is cold as heck. I walked into that ocean. I'm like, "All right, I can get used to this." All right. Well, talking about. Miami, we're bringing in Armando Salguero. Armando, how you doing? You talking about the Atlantic Ocean? Hey, <laughs> 70 degrees, Armando. That's, that, that's fake. What are you guys oh, doing? Yeah. Heating up that water? What are you doing over there? Yeah, we, uh, you know, you guys put ice in your water. <laughs> we we, uh, we kind of put heaters in our water because we, you know, we got thin blood over here. What can I tell you? Hey, we'll take it. We'll take it. Let's talk about these Dolphins. Uh, Second-year head coach yeah. Brian Flores. What is his perception to the public out there? Do you guys you feeling what he's doing? What are your thoughts? Well, 
So it's a work in progress, right? Uh, they were five and eleven last year, and they're under five hundred again this year, at one and two, and they're underdogs at home against the Seahawks. And next week they're going to be underdogs on the road against San Francisco. So I think folks in South Florida are kind of holding their breath. They understand that this is not supposed to be, you know, a Super Bowl team by any stretch. This might not even be a playoff team by any stretch, but it should be a representative team and a competitive team. And that's going to be decided when they play teams like Seattle and they play teams like San Francisco and they go to Arizona. It's going to be decided, you know, as we move along, if they don't compete in those games, if they get blown out, if they're, you know, outclassed, people are going to start looking sideways at flow. Armando Gay, thanks for jumping on with us. Know that that back east, ten o'clock right now. Appreciate the the late jump with us. Yo, know, but on film they've looked good. I, I went and watched the the Patriot game. If not for those two interceptions, really towards the, in the red zone there. I mean, they got a chance to win that. They got thirty one twenty eight Buffalo, and then they blow out Jacksonville. So th- this is competitive. It, it really seems like it comes down to uh, got him Fitzpatrick not throwing interceptions. Yeah, uh, you know, in the first game, he threw three interceptions, and that was terrible. But the fact is that the defense gave up 178 rushing yards. And so it didn't – the score wasn't bad, but it didn't feel like at any point that the the Patriots were in danger of losing that game. As a matter of fact, they fumbled at the one-yard line and out of the end zone. And they missed like a 30-yard field goal. So it, it was it was one of those games where uh, it didn't it didn't feel like the Dolphins were were really in it as close as a score. And the Buffalo game was the same thing. I mean, the Dolphins are one thing I will give the Dolphins is they do not quit. Uh, they were down by a lot by uh, 17 points to the Bills in the second half and they just, you know, kept fighting and they went down by a touchdown to the Bills. And of course, after they went down by a touchdown, Josh Allen throws a 46 yard bomb. And now it's a 14 point game again. And even then the Dolphins scored late, you know, with like a minute to play to make it feel close. So they don't, they don't quit. They don't give up, but they're not there yet. It seems like. All right, Armando, I went to Washington State University. Um, it's on the eastern side of this state. You guys have a guy who went to my rival, University of Washington, and Miles Gaskin. Though I am a Coug and I, I'm, with, I'm with the other guys, I think our fans will love to know what are your thoughts of this guy? Um, are you guys feeling him? Yeah. I mean, he was a surprise. you got to understand, he was a seventh-round draft pick last year, and he didn't get a whole lot of runs. So he was inactive eight games, and I think he only got 36 carries all season before he went on injured reserve. Coming into training camp, Matt Breida had been traded for. The Dolphins gave up a fifth-round pick for him. Uh, They paid Jordan Howard, a former first-round pick. They paid him $4 million a year as a free agent. And everybody's expecting those two guys to be, you know, the lead backs. 
And here comes Miles Gaskin seemingly out of nowhere uh, in his second year. And he's done everything that the coaching staff has asked. He, uh, you know, mostly uh, he doesn't have many plays where he loses yardage. He doesn't turn the ball over and he's consistent. And has he broken a 70 yard run? No. Has he broken a 50 yard? No, not, not at this point, but you know, he is, he is their most consistent back. And right now he's their best back. You know, you got, you got Devonte Parker and, and, there's some people that we're familiar with here in Northwest, but talk about some guys uh, our listeners uh, don't know about that they should be looking after this Sunday. Well, their tight end is Mike Gesicki, and so he's he's a tight end by name only. He's really a six foot six, two hundred and forty five pound slot receiver. That's how the Dolphins use him. Basically, he's not a blocking in line tight end by any means. But he runs 4-6, and when they match him up at 6-6, running 4-6 against a linebacker, uh, it's typically something of a mismatch, and he is Ryan Fitzpatrick's pet. And the reason that I say that is Gesicki's a really young player who basically just decided to to be Fitzpatrick's puppy dog and follow him everywhere and do everything he said. And it's worked because he's gotten better and Fitzpatrick throws him the ball a lot. So that's one guy that should be watched. And, and the, obviously the Seahawks should be aware of Um, the dolphins are a very big team on the outside. You mentioned Devontae Parker. He's six, three, They've got Preston Williams in his second year. He's 6'5". Those are their two receivers. So on the field, they're going to put 6'3", Devontae Parker, who had over 1,000 yards last year, 6'5", Preston Williams on the other side, and 6'6", Mike Gesicki at tight end or the slot, however you want to call him. And it's it's a mismatch with a lot of teams. That's why... They're starting to, you know, crank it up a little bit on offense. Sounds like they're going big or going home. Now, Armando, I got a, a regional question for you. So you guys are in Florida. <laughs> We're in Washington. It's locked down up here, Armando. You can't do nothing. Everything closes at 10 o'clock. Florida's a little more wide open. COVID's going down. Are there any concerns about players' extracurricular activities during the football season? I think the, the Tennessee Titans situation has been um, – it's bad for the Tennessee Titans and it's bad for, for those folks that are contracting it. But I think it's an eye-opener for the rest of the league, including everybody in Florida, that we're not out of the woods. It's not over. You have to be vigilant. And with the football teams, with the, all of the sports teams really, but the football teams who are not in a bubble – it it really does come down to you are responsible as a singular individual for an entire organization, potentially. You don't want to be that guy that contracts the disease and then spreads it to everyone else in the organization or a dozen other people in the organization or even half a dozen people in the organization. And suddenly you're responsible for your team losing the bye 
and having to postpone a game. That, that is a responsibility that has been made abundantly clear, at least within the Dolphins organization, that don't be that guy. Don't be the irresponsible one that is, you know, the super spreader, so to speak. And, yeah, we're, we're more open than Washington, uh, but we're not, you know, wide open. We're in phase three right now. We went into phase three last week. Uh, there are restaurants open. There are, um, you know, there are bars open, too. And they're not open at full capacity, but they're open at half capacity, and they have to close up by 11 o'clock. Having said that, these young guys on the Dolphins, um, I don't believe that they're in those bars at any time during the day. Well, that's good to hear. Armando, we appreciate you taking time. Now, my wife is Latin, so I'm going to try to say your name the way I think she wants me to say it, okay? It was nice catching up with you. Armando Sarguero. Please have a good one. Salguero. Salguero. <laughs> Thanks, Armando. Appreciate but brother, you, man. Huh? I, I dig it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Hey, Be no, well. No problem, man. Have a good one. All right, that was Armando coming you were up. You flexing right there. That was a little that's flex. A little, that's a good flex. All right. Hey, wifey, if you're listening, that was for you, babe. All right, coming up next, we'll chat with wide receiver Freddie Swain right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live, I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer every Thursday right here at 7 o'clock. On 710 ESPN, and we are at CenturyLink, and today we get to talk to rookie Freddie Swain. Freddie, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm all right. I'm all right, man. Oh, I got two wide receivers you tonight. Know. You know how it goes down, I'm, I'm a safety, so I'm going to sit back and listen <laughs> for a while. Hey, Freddie, when they drafted you, the first thing I did, I looked at film. I'm like, all right, let's see what Freddie does. And this is what I saw on film. I saw a guy who, one, loves to compete. And two, when the ball is in your hands, you just get electric. It's like you turn into a running back. What do you feel is the best part of your game? Uh, probably my physical nature. Um, I take blocking very seriously. Um, I actually take more. I probably take more pride in than actually catching the ball. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a lot of times where receivers don't have the ball. You know, and I try to make my presence known with or without the ball. Well, as I watch DK, I mean, he, he takes it pretty serious, too. I mean, that, the first play of the game last week and obviously what he did to Gilmore, did, did you, uh, you know, obviously, you guys, it's important. But how much do you guys talk about the importance of blocking in the running game? Um, We got that as one of our goals. We try to get so many as a unit and um, we compete at, with that as far as everything else. So, um, so, like, if I see DK out there trying to get one, a major block, I'm going to try to get two. And I think that just it, it lightens up the room. And, like, if you watch the game, T-Luck actually was doing it too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it just it, it makes our, our pass game uh, aggressive as well as our run game. Hey, Freddie, when I, I – you know, I had a cup of coffee in the NFL. And I scored one touchdown. And when they called the play in the huddle, I knew I was going to get my time to shine. I ran a shallow cross <laughs> – Similar to what you did when you're in the huddle and you heard that play and you line up and you saw the coverage, were you like, "Oh yeah, this is me. I'm about to get this." So all week we were we were throwing at the tee. So when we when we go to line up, I seen them pointing like they had already found tee, so they were pointing at them. I said, "Uh oh, I might." 
I might have a shot here. <laughs> I just I, I went out, boom, and I ran up under, and and obviously they dropped me. So man, uh, it was it was pretty exciting. Was it slow motion for you? I mean, did you once you caught the rock? I mean, you probably had one guy who might have met you at the goal line. What were your, what were your thoughts when you had the ball in your hands? Beat him there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just listening to John Snyder, Pete Carroll, not to give you too much love as a rookie, but, you know, they, they say some pretty high praises on you. Um, I mean, that's got to make you feel pretty good. It does. It does. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. So you're, you're, you're the man at Florida. What's the difference, you know, just describe it in Florida where there's a play called, but it's really designed for you versus where you are here now with Russell in that – yeah, maybe there's a play designed for somebody, but you know, d- defense dictates. But is every receiver live in the passing game compared to maybe where you're at you uh, when you're at Florida? Of course, um, I think like that's why like I love this offense. Um, it we don't have a, a a certain spot where the ball is gonna go. You know, all all the routes are live, and coach he tells us all like like my play for instance when I score, I can get that ball all week. You know. And um, it just goes to show you that all all the plays are live. You know what I'm saying? So just run your route full speed, and you know what I'm saying. You never just you you never know what happens. So just just be ready for it. Does Does Russell ever say? I, I remember a time with Michael Jordan and uh, you know some of his <clears throat> uh, documentaries where he he would grab a guy and say, "Hey, if they do this, just beware. I'm I'm coming to you." Does Does Russell ever talk to you guys? Say, "Hey, I I I, I know in practice here, but." Freddie, be be alive on this and just be ready. Hey, always. Uh, Russell, look at you. He, you know, a, a smart football player, hell of a football player. So he'll look and give you eyes, and then he'll tell you, "Hey, hey, be ready on this." Or, you know, after that play, he'll say, "Hey, you see that in the game? Just, you know, be ready for it." So, um, yeah, we always get that. Hey, Freddie, coming into camp. Um, you had to compete with DK, Tyler Lockett, Demo, Dorsett is there, John Ursua is there. I mean, what was your mentality going into camp? And did you it was there ever a point where you felt like, okay, I might make this football team? Uh my mentality going into camp, man, you know, I just always I like I played a game with a chip, you know. And I think a chip came out even more, you know. Watching all them teams pick up receivers and, and pick up guys it really put a chip on my shoulder. So I told myself if I, if I get the opportunity to, to, to show what I can, uh, my, my, what I'm capable of, give them no reason for you to get cut. You know what I'm saying? Make it something that they need to do or just never put it on myself, whether that be effort or, or knowing the plays or things like that. N- don't give them a reason on my end. So, and I think that's how I approached the game and, and I came out victorious. You, you talk about knowing the game. We we spoke to Pete Carroll and people in the camp, and they said Freddie knows every spot. We can line him up right now. We're comfortable with him. Has that always been a part of your game, or did you say, "Look, this is what I need to do to make this ball club. I'm going to learn every spot." Uh, at Florida, I was kind of like I kind of like knew spot by spot, but here I, I made it. I made it my job, you know, to understand everybody's route and everybody's role and depths and and split. So. Um, I kind of, I would say I made it my, I really made it my, my, my job to do that here. And it's, it's a job. It's a, it's a long day for you guys. So take me inside the locker room, a more specific, take me inside the meeting room, just the wide receivers. Give me some <laughs> personalities here. Who's, who's the life of the party with the, with those wide receivers? 
Uh, I would say, <laughs> I would say, me, me. Well, we all joke, you know, like we all love to have fun. But I would say, uh, DK, myself, Demo, and T Lock. I think we get the the party started, and then the guys just tag along. Like, and Nate and Sanjay, man, we have like our meetings. Uh, they be it be it be cool, you know. We we laugh all the time. We joke, you know what I'm saying. But when it's time to get serious, we get serious. But as far as is is the room, you couldn't ask for a better room to be in. <laughs> you know, there, there's been some some meeting rooms where you know rookies were treated like rookies. You know, go get my you know water back then it was donuts i don't think they feed you donuts anymore and then it transitioned a little bit where you know once they're here we're trying to win we, we don't treat them as rookies and we we treat them as professionals right. what's that like for you um it's good you know i had to i had a, a rookie duty i had to, <laughs> I had to buy uh food but other than that man they they do a good job of, of not making it rookie versus vet you know it's it's we're a team, we're a family, and we just go from there. It ain't right, by the way. They should make you go get the food, but they should never make the rookies buy the food. That, I've, I've always struggled with that. So you tell you tell Tyler Lockett he needs to be buying, but you'll go get it. Right. <laughs> hey, Freddie, I'm I'm from Cali. I'm from Southern California. I remember moving up to Washington and seeing my first winter, and it was raining and stuff, and I'm like, what did I do? Now, you went to school in Florida. Has it been an adjustment, you know, playing your, your time in Florida and coming up to Washington and dealing with – actually, you've had it pretty good so far. You're just about to really see what Washington is all about. Um, are you prepared for somebody this? Somebody just told me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. I'm kind of nervous as to what everybody's talking about. But the other day, it was pretty – it was pretty. It was kind of cold that Saturday. I ain't going to let it see. It was kind of cold. And they said, well, ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. I, I couldn't do nothing but put my head down. Just, hey. just, just remember what the sun looks like. That's the real trick because it, it disappears for a while. Hey, well, Freddie, we appreciate you taking time out of your day. My advice would be get a rain jacket. It's going to rain, so get your rain jacket. But, <laughs> hey, love what you're doing. I'm a receiver, so you know I'm rooting for you. Man, have a great week and go down to Miami. Do your thing, man. Appreciate it. All right, that was Freddie Swain. Up next, we got everything covered, Seahawks NFL, as we talk to John Clayton right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, you know what that means. We're getting funky, Paul. It's getting funky in here. So you know we got to talk. Every Thursday at 745 with John Clayton. JC, what's up? Got to love it. It's JB. (laughs) It's James Brown. How you doing today, John? I'm doing good. Doing good. You know, honestly, I, this uh, Denver Jet game, which is terrible, is actually a little bit better than I thought, thanks to Brett Ripien. He's he's actually doing a great job tonight. God, is that is that a that's Boise State, right? Boise, Boise State, yeah. Boise. Now my daughter went to Boise. I know. I know the difference. At least it's competitive, John. We we were actually talking. I from my high school to college to the NFL, every game I've ever played. For, at the end of the year, meant something. I'd never been on a losing team as a player, and I'm watching the Jets going, God, how bad would that be? And then Bump said, oh, I know. I, I, w- I went to Washington State. I, it was oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, whoa. Threw you down. I, I didn't say you. all that. Well, you kind of. But I didn't go to a bowl game, yes, okay. but I didn't say that. No, anyway, anyway, John, we're not, we're not going <laughs> to waste your time with all this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> John, is this a game – you expect, or 
the Hawks need to win convincingly or should we kind of just settle down and say, okay, they are who they are. It's going to be close, just like every other mm-hmm. year, and this defense isn't really going to shut anybody out. No, I mean, this is a game where I think the defense has to really step up and you know not allow uh, the, the yards and things that happened in the first three weeks of the season against three good quarterbacks because they're taking on what I think you consider one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. He just happens to be starting in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so it's a matter where you, you say, okay, you can't give up. 30 points. You can't give up 27 points. You probably have to keep it in the teens. I mean, you can't let him move the football and uh, too well because, again, I mean, they got a bad offensive line, you know, four or five new starters, and the only returning starter is the worst blocker on their offensive line, Jesse Davis. And do they really have enough at wide receiver? I'd say no. And, you know, Miles Gaskin's doing a nice job behind a bad offensive line running the football. So this is one where if they give an, uh, anything more than 17 points, it's not a good day. You know, I, th- I think the one concern is, you know, they got some height, you know, with the big, tall receivers, big, tall tight ends, and they're averaging, you know, a couple of them, you know, almost 15 yards per catch. It's it's the injuries the Seahawks have, mm-hmm. you know, and, and does that close the gap going into this game on – you know, the Seahawks normally you would think would win by double digits. Yeah, it closes the gap. There's no question about it because, you know, when you come out with the six to eight injuries they suffered on Sunday and, you know, figuring that they're not going to have Jordan Brooks, they probably won't have Jamal Adams. We don't know about Chris Carson. They have a chance to have him, but he's not going to be in his normal role because they're going to have to limit the number of carries for him. But it's a matter that, and again, I, I just use the San Francisco example because when you look at Miami, you know, they're kind of in the same vein as the Jets, the Giants, and some of the bad teams in football, you know, since. Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and so it's okay. So it's like this is a winnable game. Now, weather conditions could make, be tough because it's going to be, what, 86 degrees with uh, 20-mile-an-hour winds and all that stuff. Uh, you know, you, This is a trap game, but really, I mean, if you're a good Seattle team, which they are, you know, they should be able to pretty much dominate this game, hold down Ryan Fitzpatrick, hold down the offense, and, of course, you know, again, you're going against one of the worst defenses in football, so you should be able to have come out of this with a pretty good outcome. All right, John, let's go around the league, around the NFL. Now, the Bears have themselves a situation. Mitchell Trubisky, he's sitting down now. Nick Foles has, has taken his job. Is this long overdue? Was it the right timing? How, how would you have handled this situation? And do you think Nick Foles will be the Bears quarterback for the foreseeable future? I do, and I think it was handled correctly because, you know, the, the, the difference would be if you would have given Nick Foles a job, and literally he didn't do enough in the preseason, not that there was much he could do because, again, there was no preseason games and everything was all in practice and all that stuff. So there wasn't enough that he could do to establish himself over Mitch Trubisky. But the difference is going to be, you know, if you would go with Foles, he gets hurt, you go back to Trubisky, then there's going to be no confidence in the team. They're not going to be able to buy into him because, again, he hasn't done well, and you can see that he's on his way out there. So, no, I think they handle it the right way. I mean, basically what you can say, I know that uh, – you know, Matt Nagy said this was kind of a you know decision that he made just by feel as the game was going on, but it was the right feel. You have a quick hook. I mean, if you have a in baseball, if you have a bad starter and he's going in there, his fastball's down to ninety-one. He's giving up hits, and it's like okay. So now you start to worry about losing the game. Then you say, okay, fine, let's let's make the move. So I think the quick hook was the right way to do it. Now with Foles, who I think is certainly better than Trubisky, it's just a matter of keeping him healthy because that's the one thing that he's not been able to establish since coming into the NFL, being healthy all through sixteen games. 
Hey, John, I haven't heard uh, what happened from, uh, from last week. Chris Carson, by the way, looks like he – good chance he's going to play. Yeah. Um, but did Tristan Hill ever get fined? He was yeah, the get... guy who alligatored it. But w- when do they announce those? Well, they they what they they don't announce them; they leak them. And so what happens is you put in a, a request if you're you know an NFL beat person, and then by Friday afternoon or Saturday they'll get the word back to you what the fines were going to be. So he probably got the notification, and you know, having been in the league, it's like if you get a fine, you're going to get a letter or an email. Now it's going to be there by Wednesday or Thursday. So they'll let uh, you know they'll leak out tomorrow. You know who all the fines are. You know they they do it with the horse collar tackles. They do it with all that. And so I'm sure that his fine is going to come out tomorrow. The fact that nothing happened on Tuesday, because if we're going to sus- uh, give him an, uh, a suspension, they'd have to announce it on Tuesday so you can get the roster uh, space to be able to come in and get somebody in there to re- be able to replace him. So he's not getting suspended, but I'm sure he's going to get a fine. John, COVID finally hit the league. They're going to have a postponed game this weekend. Tennessee Titans are going through it. How do you feel the NFL has handled this situation thus far? Perfect. I give them an A because, again, what they did, they were totally flexible because they're taking it on a day-by-day basis. Okay, the game was scheduled for Sunday. So here you are on a Wednesday, and you had one more positive test. It's like, okay, so we'll delay it now to a Monday night game, and then you come in today – and you find out, okay, you have a player that tested positive and another staffer that tested positive. So it's still spreading. And, of course, I mean, you look at it. It's not just like uh, people that aren't suffering from it because there's temperatures and, you know, bad feelings for some of the players. And so it's like, okay, once you got to Thursday and you're still adding more than you're subtracting, then it's a matter of go ahead and uh, move the game back. So what they'll do is that they'll take it back and they'll play it in week seven because they'll take the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game because both teams are playing in week seven. They have bye weeks in week eight, so now you move the game back. So you have the flexibility of doing that. But again, I think they handled it really well. What I'm wondering right now is how well is the Titans handling things? Because you know here they are. They've got 11 or 12 people in the front office and players that have tested positive, but it's not like they're the only ones. Their first-round pick has tested positive twice and uh, is still he hasn't played it down and so because he's on COVID's then they had a practice squad guy that's in the same boat and so it's like hey they've got more than anybody else in the league is there something they're doing wrong you have to kind of think there is something that's not working and I think coming out of this because you know I kept on saying it for the last two days you know if you're in a situation like Tennessee what you need to do is that you need to go bubble and bubble is not like you can see in the NBA or any other sport like that the bubble is okay People, here's what we're going to do. Players, you're staying in the hotel. You're not getting out of the hotel. You can't go home. You have to sacrifice because here we are. You know, this is a th- two, three and O teams that we're going to meet, and they put themselves in a position. Whatever happened, that if they, you know, played the game, they were not going to have a practice. And so I think at this stage, they need to go bubble and have everybody in a hotel that's totally secure for an indefinite period of time. Yeah, it's tricky, John. I mean, the NBA easy to reschedule games. Baseball easy to reschedule games. Football it's hard. Are you concerned? You know, if this spills over to a couple more teams no i'm not you're not no i'm not and here's the reason because you know when you have bye weeks you can be adjustable and here we are four weeks into the season and is an easy adjustable thing once you get into uh late mid-november 
when the bye weeks go away, then you have an option. It's like, okay, fine. If we have games to make up, then we'll make them up. We'll make week 18, and we'll push the playoffs back one week. And so I think that's the way to do it because you have the flexibility because you have the one week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, so you can move it back. So if you need to play these games, and if you don't need to play these games, because remember, I mean, there are people in the stands, but not a lot. So it's like, you know, if, if it's going to be like Denver and the Jets, you say, okay, we don't need to worry about it week 18. So I think there's enough flexibility. I think they're going to make it through and get basically all their games in. John, let's go down south to the ATL. Dan Quinn is having a rough year. I mean, that offense is performing at a high level, but the defense is giving up a lot of points. The mishaps with the Cowboys. How much longer does he have? I think he's going to have the whole season because the fact that he took the team to the Super Bowl, even though it was a bad loss in the Super Bowl, I think that Arthur Blank's pretty loyal. But, you know, the way this thing's going, I can't imagine that Dan Quinn's going to be head coaching the team next year. I worry that uh, Thomas Dimitrov is not going to be the general manager next year. But things aren't working out. And, again, here you have a defensive coach that the defense is the problem. And, again, he's being, I think, very stubborn in the sense that, okay, Dan, are you calling the plays? No. So who's calling the plays? Jeff Olbrick is calling the plays on early downs. Raheem uh, Morris is calling the team on the passing downs. It's not working. You're blowing games. And so it's like you don't think. Because I still remember being on the sidelines week uh, week eight last year. And, uh, you know, the Falcons were one in seven. Uh, I was standing five feet behind Arthur Blank. He's looking up an, an empty uh, bowl of arena people that there weren't there was nobody there cheering for the team. And it's like I thought something could happen there. But he stood by him. Dan came out and won six out of the last eight, but I think he'll stand by him this year, but I'd be surprised if he's a head coach next year. Yeah, they should be two and one right now. It's a shame. But all right, so John, I'm going to ask you a question you haven't been asked all week. I've been waiting for this. What have you not been asked all week that you want to talk about? (laughs) What have I not been asked all week? It's well the the big one that I've been not asked about, but I keep on stressing. It's like you talk about Seattle's defense giving up all the yards and points. That's everybody in the NFC. That's everybody in the league. But I guess the one that I haven't been asked about yet is that, uh, you know, what do you think of the offensive line? And I think the offensive line has done a better job than anybody anticipated. On Sunday, you know, even though he had to run around to do it, you know, Russell Wilson had 3.1, uh, 3.41 seconds, according to uh, Next Gen Stats, to throw the football. You know, their running has been good. I mean, you know, this is a better offensive line than last year. Hope people recognize it. And by the way, they were laughing at me for asking that question. And you came with it, John. You gave us some We weren't laughing. Stuff. You were like. I wasn't expecting You were it. expecting more like a bombshell question. Yes, I was. But I wanted him to talk about something he wanted to talk about. Yeah, not I, I like what you did there. Thank I you. appreciate that. Thank That's you. nice of you. Yeah. Hey, well, John, as always, we appreciate you taking time out of your day. And keep it funky, baby. I'll see you next All right. Thursday. Make my funks a P-funks because I want to get spunked up. <laughs> Here we go. That was John Clayton. I'm Michael Bumby. He's Paul Moyer. ESPN 710 Hawks Live every Thursday. Coming up next, we'll talk about the Hawks and what we saw and what we need to see for them to get it done this weekend right here on Hawks Live.